This is the Six Man Show, an Orlando Magic podcast, with your hosts Luke Sylvia and Jonathan Osborne, covering all things Magic basketball. By fans, for fans, go Magic! What's going on, Orlando Magic fans? You guys are back with the Six Man Show. It is May first, two thousand twenty. As always, I am joined by my co-host Luke Sylvia. Today we are joined by a very special guest, uh, Keith Smith. You might know him on Twitter, at KeithSmithNBA. He writes for Yahoo Sports, writes for Celtics Blog, and Real GM. How are you doing, Keith? I'm doing great, guys. As Well, as great as you can be right now in this crazy world. So thank you for having me. No, man, absolutely. We're really stoked to have you. Um, really, the biggest news lately, a lot of people have seen the piece that you put out. Obviously, everyone knows the NBA has been suspended, and everybody's just trying to come up with what might be the best possible way to get the league up and running again and, and get us back to playing basketball. A, a ton of people out there have already seen your piece, but there are a lot of people that haven't. Um, Luke and myself were like, man, this guy is not getting enough credit for this. So we wanted to have you on the show this is our way of, of trying to do our best to get out there. We don't have the biggest platform, but you know, you got to do what you can, right? Yeah. I appreciate that fellas. That's you know very kind to you, but you know, not, not necessary, but thank you. I appreciate it. Nonetheless. Well, like I said, we'll do what we can. So for those of you that don't know, um, Keith came up with a, a wonderful idea, um, a way to get the NBA back to action this season. And it was utilizing the Walt Disney World Resort, some of the hotels that they have, and the wide world of sports at ESPN over there. So, Keith, if you wouldn't mind, just kind of go into detail on what that idea was, how that idea came about, and just kind of flesh that out for the listeners. Sure, yeah. The the way it came about was when it became clear, if you remember when everything was suspended, it looked like it might have only been for a couple weeks. That was the initial hope. And when it became clear that it was going to be a lot more than that, it wasn't going to be just a couple weeks. It was going to be for a while. You started to hear, well, maybe if we can get things under control a little, we can get uh, folks together in a single site. And instantly everyone started saying Vegas, Vegas, Vegas. And that it is fine. I've been to Las Vegas several years running for um, NBA Summer League and the like, and, and it's a it's a great venue. But the more I thought about it and thought about, well, we're going to have to have a um, bubble here and all those things that go into that. It, it's Vegas is tough to pull that off. And I instantly thought of Disney and why Disney came to mind for me is I worked for the Walt Disney Company for nearly 20 years. Uh, most of that time in Florida at Walt Disney World. But for about a year and a half, I lived and worked at, in California at Disneyland. And it immediately said to me, well, there's three primary things you got to be able to pull off. You got to have the hotels to house the players. Well, Disney has over 20 resorts on their property. Those resorts range from 300 rooms to 3,000 rooms. Basically, there's over 20,000 hotel rooms. They're all sitting completely empty right now because no one is there. There's no guests. The entire resort is closed down. The next thing you need is basketball facilities. And and certainly other places can offer that. But the, that was another thing that never felt great about me with these plans for Vegas and others. Was, well, we could turn a ballroom into a basketball court and all these other things. Well, Disney has the ESPN Wide, wide World of Sports Complex, which has already 
it's set up for basketball. The HP Fieldhouse has a uh, you know full regulation size court in there. It's all broadcast ready. That is where they host the Advocare Invitational every year. So that's ready to go. Then you have the Visa Center, which I've kind of started likening to akin to a uh, aircraft hangar or an airplane hangar because it's just this giant wide open building that can be configured any way you want. I've been in there where there's been as many as 12 to 15 courts set up uh, for the junior NBA world championships, as well as the AAU national championships. And then there's a third building, which is newer. It's called just the arena. It doesn't have a sponsor. So it's got a real, uh, you know, clever name there, the <laughs> arena. Um, but what the arena is primarily utilized for is the cheer and dance competitions that Disney hosts every year, but it can be configured to house as many as three courts. So what kind of went in my mind is we'll use the field house and the arena, set those up as your game courts because you're probably going to want to have two running at all times to maximize the amount of time that the teams are there and games that you can get in and then use the visa center to set up practice courts and everything else that these teams would need. In addition to that, you need medical facilities, you need training facilities, you need places for players to and teams to be able to watch film and all the things that go along with that. And obviously the sports complex is set up to, to do that as well, as well as other spots on Disney property. But what really sets Disney aside, and I promise I'll let you talk on your podcast here in a minute. <laughs> um, <laughs> but what really sets Disney aside is the the ability to create the bubble. We've heard you know over and over again. Dr. Fauci has spoken about it continuously. If you're going to do these things, you need to be able to create that crucial bubble. In Disney, because it's private property and it's all set in one place, they can create that. They can close down sections and say, once you're in, you're in, and you're only getting in if you need to be in. Much easier than a place like Las Vegas, where the basketball hub would likely be UNLV, like it is for summer league. But the players, they're talking, stay in the hotels along the strip. And if you've ever been it's not a very far distance but it's a distance you're gonna have to transport people back and forth from there versus just across disney property which is already shut down we're las vegas it's a city people live there people are still working there and the like in those things so it's going to be really hard to shut that down and create that bubble and that's what for me sets disney aside yeah and keith you talk about that bubble that that disney Essentially, when you think about it, uh, you know, obviously, aside from people coming and parking and, you know, taking shuttles into the parks, Disney is just a huge bubble because, like you said, and, and like you touched on the article, you've got those resorts um, and, and, and you've got all these places that people are most of the time when you go to Disney, you stay in Disney and they have all the transportation you need. They have all the service you need, all the food you need. So they've got everything. But the thing that I was starting to think about, Keith, is um, which is kind of the reality with the NBA, if it comes back at all, um, is the fact that NBA players, they're used to being on the road, but they're used to being able to pinpoint a, a day in the uh, of the next week or that week where, hey, here's a time I'll get to be with my family um, during the week. So with it going to Disney, I mean, obviously, I, I don't know. I guess it would be frowned upon if you have um, families of the players staying with them, you know, or you know, at least wives. I don't know. Um, but but do, what do you think about that? Obviously, this is all just speculation. But in terms of uh, would the players just be in this bubble by themselves for months? Um, and would that also kind of make a difference? And if they would choose to cut the season in half from the, the remaining of the season or just go straight into the playoffs because of how long they would have to be in that bubble? 
Yeah, I think they're two separate issues. Uh, let's talk about the family part first. Uh, I was just told in the last couple of days, and now reporting has come out from Woj and and some of the others that the NBA has said families that's that's a non-starter to say families can't come if they do this single side idea. They want families to be able to go because then players can feel comfortable with it. Now, not all players are going to probably want their families uh, <laughs> with them. I was texting with a handful of players over the last few days, and one of them directly said to me when I said, how would you feel about going away from the family? His response was, man, I've been with the family for a month and a half. It'll be two months here soon. I'm ready to go back to work. You know, so I think, which is, I, I think a lot of us might be feeling that way. Um, <laughs> just so, much that. so, you know, so that's, I, I think it, it's, it, it's good. But the nice thing with Disney too is, you're probably not going to have the theme parks open for these guys. I don't think your average person understands just what it takes to run right. a theme park. You know, somebody doesn't walk in, turn the roller coaster on and leave, you mm-hmm. know, and say, go ahead, have fun. You know, anytime you're at Disney, you see the, you know, hundreds and thousands of cast members there running those places. And so, but that said, Disney is very good. Uh, one of the things that happens, you know, unfortunately here in Central Florida on a somewhat regular basis is hurricanes. And when that happens, you have to shelter in place in the hotels. And Disney's very good about bringing in entertainment and activities and those things to keep the families entertained and going. You'd obviously have the pools and the recreation available at the resorts where they were staying. It's 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 May right now, June, July, summer. It'll be mm-hmm. you know beautiful weather. A lot a lot of things to do you know there from that respect. And then I think you have the fact with the players of, hey, if we're going, we're going to get this season done and we're going to complete this thing and and move on. And for those playoff teams, it's it's about you know competing and trying to win a championship and the like. As to the um the the second part, which I've kind of apologized, kind of forgotten now as I I went, went on. But well, what was that second part of it? Uh yeah. Oh, the season, the length. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like if that affects them being in that bubble affects that the length of the season, them saying like, oh, they don't we don't want to keep them away from their families for for two months. So we want to be one. How do we do that? I think I think what you have factoring in there is is the how do you bring all the teams? Do you bring Mm -hmm. only the playoff teams? There's a proposal that's floating around of cut the 10 teams that are basically eliminated from playoff contention, only bring the ones who are still in. So those four, it's really in the Western conference more than anything. Those four teams that are uh, just outside and are kind of hanging in the race with Memphis for the eighth seed, bring them in, do some form of abbreviated regular season where those teams that are assured of being in the playoffs, maybe they treat it a little more like a preseason, get yourself, ready to go and then by the time we we wrap this up we're ready to play and there's a couple reasons why you want to do that one is it's going to increase the quality of your play hopefully for the playoffs the other piece is the nba has these these markers of hitting 70 games um, where that allows them to deliver on their regional sports network contracts that's generally the marker of you got to be be out there for 70 games. And I think what you're looking at with the league then is, well, if we can hit that 70 game mark, a lot of teams are between four or five, six games away from that. If we can hit those markers. Then we've kind of done what we needed to do. And I think that's really important to to keep in mind as you approach this is as like is with almost anything. Money's going to drive this. 
um, with that. And then, as you mentioned, there's the the proposal of let's just jump right to the playoffs and let's let's you know lock it in from there. And it's kind of a little bit of a too bad, so sad for those teams that that don't don't get in in there. And, and let's go from there. But the league is they're progressive, they're open, they listen to just about everything, and and we'll eventually see where they go with this. But I don't think there's any one thing that they're rejecting, and I don't think the family part's going to make too big of a difference. So the the next thing that I wanted to ask about a couple of days ago, there was a, a tweet uh, sent out from I think it was a Philadelphia sports writer, uh, Jabari Young. He had uh, you know sent out an article that there were multiple you know NBA executives that were pushing to get the league canceled, and then we had LeBron, of course, come out um, make you know a Twitter or Instagram post basically completely refuting that. Have you heard anything like that? Have you been in touch with any NBA executives that, from your perspective, seemed like they wanted to push to cancel the rest of the season? Yeah, and I don't want to doubt Jabari's reporting because I believe he probably, you know, did have someone uh, mm-hmm. say that or maybe multiple people. But I've actually heard the exact opposite. The players I've talked to, um, they very much want to finish the, the year. They want to get back in there. And it ranges. The players who are on the higher end of the pay scale see it as a responsibility to help take care of the rest of the guys. Um, and then you have the folks that are their playoff teams, and they're like, we have a shot to win this thing. We don't want to mm-hmm. you know, call this year. The guys who are on the lower end of the pay scale are like, man, starting on the 15th of May, 25% of my paycheck is going to be withheld, and I, I can't go without that. I need that that money. This is you know just how my life works. And and so those guys want to get back at it and do their thing. I have not encountered a single player who has said to me, now everyone couches it with as long as it's safe to do so, right? And we all know that. That's why I've kind of stopped saying that because if it's not safe to do so, the league's not even going to consider it. They'll shut it down and say, you know, off we go. We'll see you when we see you next season. Um, from the front office side, same thing. They, they feel good. Coaches that I know, they feel the same way. But the cool thing for me is, The league, the teams, the team executives, the owners, the players, the players association, they're all united in this front of we want to complete the season. Uh, Maybe there's a handful out there that that aren't interested, but they all seem to want to complete it. And that's really, really important, I think, when you think about it, because that makes it easier, right? You're not having to negotiate Mm -hmm. this thing and, and go to battles over, well, you know, this team wants to come, this one doesn't, this guy wants to come, this one doesn't, and those kind of things. And I think that's really important. And, and, uh, anytime I say something's easy, I mean, relatively easy because none of this is going to be easy to make happen, but that makes it easier. And and speaking of not being easy, um, can we kind of go into, um, what we were talking about with Walt Disney world and, uh, wide world sports? Uh, what are kind of the, um, the, the, the hurdles that, that the NBA might see, um, obviously there's a lot of positives, but with everything there's cons. So, um, kind of talking, you know, harping on what, what might not be easy. Um, do you think that, that there's a lot of hurdles that are involved in the idea of going to, uh, the wild world of sports? Uh, there's definitely some, um, let's start with the fact that Florida is still a hot spot. Um, I'm Mm -hmm. right here. I'm right in Orlando. I'm right right off the Disney property, actually. Um, And it's still a hotspot. There's still concerns that the state is reopening for business as of today, uh, but on a very limited basis. And there are still counties that aren't opening it down in South Florida and the like. So that that's a challenge. One there. Um, 
the other pieces, the testing and tracing and all those things. Um, I, I had stopped mentioning that because I did, did kind of falsely assumed everyone knew that would be be a challenge. But but mm. I want to make sure I put it out there because then I wouldn't say it and people would be like, oh, you didn't even mention it. Yo, and there's <laughs> the concern of should we be testing a bunch of pro athletes versus having tests available for other folks? You know, and that's something the NBA is looking at. We recently know they told teams as they return the facilities here in the next week, um, we don't want you testing people who are asymptomatic because it doesn't look good. And that's not how the test should be used. So you got that. The other piece is Disney's going to have to bring back some of their people to pull this off. In Disney, for those who don't know that are listening to this, Disney employs roughly 90,000 people here in Central Florida at the Walt Disney World Resort, mm. uh, largest single-site employer in the United States, and about 70 to 80,000 of those people are currently on furlough because wow. the resort is completely closed. Yeah. So you would have to get some of those people back working. Now, I don't think that's a huge issue. I know people, you know, good personal friends of mine that I knew from working with them for nearly 20 years that would jump at the opportunity and would come back to say, yeah, I need to work. You know, mm-hmm. I, I need to work. I want to work, uh, those things. So I think you could pull that off, but you got to figure that out because you're going to need those people there to to assist and, and help with those things. So so th- those are some of the challenges, you know, of course, getting everybody here. Um, and then you'd have to work with Disney on what if Disney does start to reopen to the public? You're not going to want to do something where, all right, the players are staying at this hotel and two rooms over is a family that just traveled down from New York. You know, it just still continues to be a hotspot. That that would be a challenge. So so you'd have to work with them on those details of we're going to close this area off and call it this. Um, I don't think that's an issue with the sports complex itself because not I don't think that's going to reopen to guests the way it would. And it certainly wouldn't if it was being utilized by the NBA. But those are the challenges. None of them are such big roadblocks that I think it kills the idea and says absolutely not. But I think you, you uh, those are all things you have to be conscious of and work through. Right. And and Keith, uh, we have to ask, we're going to kind of go into our uh, rapid fire segment that we've established here on the six man show, um, because this is uh, kind of turned into a, a Disney NBA podcast hybrid. So uh, and that's kind of right in your wheelhouse. Um, so, Keith, I, I don't know if you got a chance to listen, but a, a few weeks back, uh, we actually got the uh, opportunity to have Jonathan Isaac on the show. And we, uh, you know, we feel it's our duty as NBA fans, Magic fans. We had to establish J.I. kept a running a running joke with our with the fans uh, of the Magic saying, I'm 6'10". People would ask, how tall are you actually? And so he actually said on this podcast, I'm six foot 11 and three quarters. So he gave us the actual answer. So Keith, we're here to do the investigative work. Uh, we, we've, we've asked you on Twitter, what do you, what was your previous job? You told us backstage at Disney, you told us multiple jobs. Could you maybe set the record straight here? What, what was exactly some of your duties? If you're able to talk about it, that you did at Disney. Yeah, no, no, I can tell you, I, I didn't do anything top secret or anything. Gotcha. So mm-hmm. I had my, unfortunately, it wasn't quite that cool. <laughs> I, I know, I just know, I just know, Keith, that some of those people are good friends with the characters and things like that. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, no, for me, um, I started with the company as an intern on the college program. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was my, that was probably still to this day the coolest job I ever had. I was a train conductor on the Walt Disney World Railroad at Magic Kingdom. Huh. Um, so I had a blast. I absolutely loved it. I still remember calling home and saying to my folks, they do this thing where you can extend and you can stay. And my parents, <laughs> 
you nuts come back and finish school you idiot <laughs> you know, now that i'm a little older and i have a daughter of my own mom and dad are usually right you should probably listen to them mm-hmm. um, and then i so i went back i finished up school in massachusetts instantly graduated and i was back down here i did another internship at that point on um, where i worked in the college housing department uh there and then i moved on from there into a number of different roles uh, mostly in backstage capacities uh my my most of my time with disney has been spent in a department uh that that it's gone through a number of different names but when i left they were called workforce management and what we would do is decide how many full-time part-time seasonal interns we need uh to hire when do we need those people? Do we need, you know, seven popcorn carts open at, you know, nine o'clock in the morning or can we get by with five? Those kind of things. And then um, all the cast schedules and that my most recent right before I left the company, I, I had uh, after nearly 20 years, I left to cover the NBA full time exactly three weeks before the season was suspended. So <laughs> my timing is nothing if not impeccable. Um, <laughs> but my most recent job was I was what was called the labor training integration manager at Disney's Animal Kingdom Lodge Resort. Hmm. And what that meant is my team did all the training for all the cast members. They would set up all the training for all of our new new folks there at Animal Kingdom Lodge uh, Resort. And then I also, and then they did all their schedules as well, where they would schedule the, you know, the folks that worked the front desk and the folks that did house keeping and merchandise and the uh, restaurants on property and the animal care folks because that that resort has you know a large collection of african animals um mm-hmm. there that you can go and see and those kind of things so that's what i did did at disney um you know but there as well as uh, like i think i might have said this before we spent a year and a half in california my wife and i where um i worked in various workforce management type functions for the disneyland resort as well gotcha and that that's I'm familiar with that world to an extent. Um, my my wife started at the co- in the college program a couple of years back. Uh, did the uh, work at the um, the the bakery and Magic Kingdom, the Starbucks essentially, and uh, and then went into entertainment and was a dancer and the trolley dan- trolley and all that kind of stuff and all the parades, blah blah. So I used to it- work in the casting department where we um, one of my duties there when I worked in casting was uh, on the group uh, supporting entertainment that hired all the folks to, to come down and be friends with the characters as well as uh, be in the parades and shows. So right. uh, well versed in that world. Yeah, awesome. yeah. So that until that, you know, a job brought me out here to Omaha, beautiful Omaha, Omaha, Nebraska, where it, it's cold all the time. Um, but but Keith, this leads into our next rapid fire question. If you could be any Disney character, who would you be? Mickey. Everybody loves Mickey, right? Yeah. It's, you know, my my dad may be the crankiest old man on the planet, <laughs> and when my dad sees Mickey pop up at Fantasmic. Um, if we can get him to go into the park, which is pretty rare, he j- he gets a big giant smile on his face too. So yeah, it def- how can you not? Yep. Absolutely. Oh boy. <laughs> so all right, so I'm gonna switch gears a little bit here. I'm a big food guy, Keith. So I like to ask a lot of food based questions. So me and my wife, uh, we live a few hours away from the Amway Center. We're pretty much north of Tampa. So whenever we make a trip to Orlando to go to a Magic game or to Disney or whatever, we always stop at Seven Eleven or Wawa. And we get our favorite snacks like combos, uh, Airhead Extremes, things like that. So what I wanted to ask, if you're going on a long road trip, you got to bring three snacks with you. Which ones are you going with? 
Yeah, so this is good timing. Last summer, we drove uh, my my wife and my daughter and I drove to Washington, D.C. Um, to, to go up there for, for a week. So we were in the car for a long time. Um, I like the Cheez-Its, the toasted, extra toasty Cheez-Its. Uh, that's a good white cheddar. Uh, I like the regular ones. The white right. cheddar just gets to be a little much for me. Um, I like rich. those. Um, I like I, I can never say no to a good trail mix. I really mm-hmm. like the one uh, Target has, the Monster Trail Mix. It's got the M and M's in there, and the peanut butter and chocolate chips, and, uh, and then oh, the raisins. Now we're and talking. Which is healthy. Yeah, and then um, <laughs> since you mentioned like Wawa, right? You gotta have drinks, and this would be like a stopping point um, mm-hmm. for us. Like if we can go to Wawa, if it's in the morning, I want that. Uh, uh, I'm a big white chocolate guy, so I want their like white frozen white chocolate cappuccino frappuccino thing is really good. But we discovered on the way up to DC sheets have you ever heard of this place i have heard of sheets it's like Wawa, excuse but me like better it, it's amazing it's called where's sheets. this where's this located <laughs> this is the ones we found were in uh uh north carolina and virginia if i remember correctly and it was it was it was great it was like wawa but but even better so so i think those would be my choices have yeah. you ever had like the uh the tropical uh trail mix it's got like the um dried pineapple and like the banana in it and everything like that i have i don't like the dried bananas Oh man, see, see, Keith, uh, Jonathan might make you f- try to make you feel like you're an outcast for not liking dried bananas, but Jonathan doesn't like regular I bananas. I don't so, like regular bananas. Yet he eats dried ones and he loves plantains. Yeah. So there's something wrong with Jonathan. All uh, right. Well, this got really personal really, really quickly. <laughs> Luke, did you have something else that you were going to bring up there? Uh, what? Right when I was talking about that. No, I thought I thought you were going to lead into something else, but maybe I was mistaken there. No, you just no. wanted to get joked. I just wanted, yeah, I just wanted. I had to, to throw a couple jabs at me. You don't like bananas. Perfect, perfect. So we're, I'm going to switch gears one more time here into another one of your your wheelhouses here, uh, talking about basketball. This is an Orlando Magic podcast. Uh, we've talked a lot about the NBA, but we want to talk a little bit of Orlando Magic basketball with you really quickly if we can. So last question here. If you were running the Magic this year, um, and obviously there's a lot of context surrounding this um, conversation and this topic here, um, but what do you think you would be doing with Evan Fournier? What would be your goal this year uh, with Evan Fournier, his contract potentially? So you're talking like going into the to, into this coming off season. The off season. Uh, so like right, right. Now. Um. Well, you know he's got a player option. It. He is in a really interesting spot with his player option because it's a very weak free agent class and there's only a handful of teams with cap space. But he also he's not he's at like 17 million or so, a little bit over that. Um. So that that's tough because that's not so much that he wouldn't make that back up. But it's a tough market. My guess would be he's going to opt in just because of the way the market is. And then he goes. And if he opts in, I would 100% keep him. You know, I, did, I wouldn't look to trade him or anything like that. He's had a career year. I think he's arguably been the best all-around player on the team uh, this season. He's you know uh, their best offensive creator as it stands today. Um, he's one of the only guys who can score off the bounce regularly. He's hit you know go uh, well from the outside, in the like. So I, I would really you know do that. Now if he opts out, then it gets a lot more interesting because you got to start to think. Here, what I would do is it almost doesn't matter the, the the salary within reason is why I say this, because 
they're not going to have cap space for for a few years anyway because you've got Vooch locked up, right. you've got uh, Ross locked up, uh, Fultz and, and Isaac are going to be doing new deals pretty soon. Gordon's locked up. So what I would do is see if you could give him a two to three year deal, put him on the same timeline as Vooch, Ross, and Gordon, and then what that would allow you to do is if you overpay him. It doesn't really matter too much. It's not you don't go crazy. He's not going to get a max or anything. But if you give him, you know, twenty, you know, two to twenty-four million, and maybe you make it um, front-loaded so it it goes down, declines each year like Vooch's contract does. Mm-hmm. Um, that would make make a lot of sense to me to keep him because I don't think they can afford to lose him because they don't have anybody in house who can really replace him right now, and that's that's a big challenge. And they're not going to have the cap space and the ability to go get anybody great on the free agent market this summer. Now, the, the only follow-up question that I have to that is, let's say we do re-sign Evan to around you know the same money, like you said, pretty reasonable, but to those years. Uh, you mentioned the fact that for the next few years, we're really not going to have a lot of cap space. Now, let's say Markel Fultz you know, develops into the guy. A lot of us are hoping that he will. Now, I know a lot of that is going to be dependent on you know how his jump shot you know progresses over the, the next year or so. Um, but re-signing Evan, do you think that would potentially you know hamper uh, the pay raise that the Magic would be able to give to, let's say, a Markel Fultz, a Jonathan Isaac, or you know maybe a Mo Bamba down the road? I don't think it does because I think what you do if you lock Fournier into something that's reasonable, he still remains fairly movable if you need to. Yeah. I think Ross's contract is still relatively movable, as is Gordon if, if need be. I do think we're going to hit a point in the next, let's call it by, by the – trade deadline of next season whenever that is um you know probably not going to be in february next year Mm. might be in you know uh, april or may but i think by then you're gonna have to make a decision on have gordon and isaac improved enough as shooters that you can play them together all the time have they improved enough as playmakers uh, with the ball on their hand, whether that be for themselves or others, that you can play them together all the time? And if the answer is no, then you really have to look at yourself and say, who are we riding with here going forward? Because that's going to be a major uh, decision point for them. And then you're looking at, all right, I'm moving one or the other. Now, I like Aaron Gordon quite a bit. But I don't know if you guys did know or if you've seen on Twitter. I absolutely love Jonathan Isaac. Like he is maybe my favorite player in the league. Big fans. Yeah, I just I love the way he defends. I think his offensive potential is off the charts. I am worried that he can't get through a season without getting hurt. I know this knee injury is very fluky, and hopefully that's you know the end of it for him. But but that that does worry me a little bit. But don't but put I, that I, out in the universe. <laughs> <right>? <laughs> please, but I, please, but please. Does, <laughs> but but I do think there is a decision point coming on those two guys, and I think because of that someone's going to move here at some point. Like it's just the way the NBA works too. And I don't think you worry about it too much. I don't, I don't know that they're in a point where they want to pay a whole bunch into the luxury tax and the like for a team. That's not a surefire championship contender. But if you get to the point where Fultz is making a big enough contract that you're starting to worry about how expensive the team is getting, well then that means you believe enough in him that he's worth it. And at that point, hopefully then he's proven that the team has moved up a you know, rung or two on the contender ladder. Yeah. And, and Keith, uh, thank you for that input, by the way, because we're we need all the NBA talk we can get these days. So that felt great. We to actually talk about basketball. I can't tell amazing. you, Keith. I do it. I, I came on the podcast uh, like a month and a half, two months ago now, and um, 
uh, right after the NBA, like Jonathan told me, like, I'd love to have you come on the show, uh, be a co-host. And then NBA shuts down immediately. So uh, we've not, I've not been able to talk much real basketball. We've been trying to do as much as we could right now, but, um, all that you joined in the podcast and me going full time covering the league. We both, we both, yes, we both have great timing. As you said, we, we caused the league to shut down. I, I'm uh, with you. That's it. That's it. Um, breaking breaking but, news <laughs> but but then um kind of just another question i had for you um is so the nba so i've heard and maybe you've heard different maybe you've heard the same i'm not sure but they that labor day weekend um se- september 7th that mark is kind of the latest the nba is willing to go um so what do you think is kind of the danger zone as as part of like if we get into july and there's no nba season um for instance like what month do you think it is that we get to and there's no nba basketball for us to start thinking okay this season's probably not happening or already are there that's a great question and i've been getting asked that a lot as i've been kind of doing the the tour here on the disney plan and what i'll say with with that date of the labor day is nothing is concrete right now but that one is uh let's call it wet cement as mm-hmm. much as it can be that that date is that that's an important day they do not want to be playing past labor day it's just that you're into too much of the football season then and then that's going to cause next season start to push back further than they're comfortable with the Mm -hmm. league really doesn't want to start next season any later than right around the holidays ideally around mid-december so what they're looking at is you push everything back by a couple months all right so we push the start back by a couple months too so now so, so if you use Labor Day as an end date for the 2019-20 the, uh, season, can you kind of do some backwards math looking back? I think if they are not playing by the very beginning of July, you're, you, you need to start thinking this is – we're in trouble. Oh, they're, that hurts. They're, they're not, they're, they're not going to be there. Now, I don't know that that's completely unreasonable. Uh, for for a date to be there kind of what i've been looking at very optimistically and and piecing this together with talking with other folks in the league who are optimistic is next week teams are going to get back in the gym may 8th mm-hmm. so you're going to start to get trainers you're going to get a sense of looking at some of these guys and an understanding of what kind of shape are they in now mm-hmm. a lot of people like to scream and yell these guys are millionaires they, they get paid to play they should come in in great shape well the reality is a lot of these guys including some of the guys on the magic they don't have access to a hoop they live right. in a high-rise apartment. They don't have a place to work out and to shoot around. It, it just doesn't exist in their lives. They live downtown or you know somewhere where they don't have that. A lot of these players, too, they rent houses, even if they live in a house, and they're not necessarily going to install a gym you know, in there or they're gonna, or put up a hoop in the driveway or, or whatever. Did did you see that? Uh, did you see that Nikola Vucevic is uh, shooting in neighbors' apartment driveways or driveways the other day? I did, yeah. I um, I, I don't want to name the player because I don't want to out him. Um, but I ran into a player at Publix. Uh, right, he lives over by where I live, and he and I was like, hey, how are things going? And we chit chatted for a little bit, socially distant. We were six feet apart, right? Um, of course. But you know, and I said to him, I said, have you been able to get any shots up? And he said. Only in the last two days, I found out my neighbor has a hoop in his driveway, <laughs> and he goes, "They weren't using it." So he said, "I asked." And this him, isn't this isn't Nikola Vucevic. No, no it is not Vuce. 
Um, so it is another player. And he said, I was able to borrow that hoop and bring it over to, to, to my <laughs> driveway. And I've now just now been able to start getting shots up, wow. but, you know, so, so that's kind of where you're at. And that is not uncommon. You know, Jason Tatum of the Boston Celtics got a ton of flack for saying, I haven't touched a ball since the mm. end of the season. Giannis saying maybe the best player in the league right now, probably the MVP, you know, has said, I haven't even touched a ball. Cause I'm, I'm not set up to do that. So, so, um, so with all of that, you're going to see starting on May 8th, they're going to get a sense of what kind of shape are these guys in? Because what generally happens in the NBA is their player season ends. They take a week or two off, kind of go on mm-hmm. vacation, shut it down. If they're healthy, it's a lot of guys then they have a surgery or a procedure to clean something up that they've been dealing with in the season. And, and if they're healthy to go, they're back playing within a week or two. They're, they're back in the gym, they're working out and all those things. And now this is the longest, I, I guarantee you, any player in the NBA outside of being injured and rehabbing has mm-hmm. been without playing basketball yeah. it, it, without a doubt, you know, for all of them. So what you're seeing now is you're going to get these guys back in. So, so let's be optimistic to get them in around May 8th. You start to get a sense of, all right, this is where it's at. The NBA trainers have been very consistent with, we need three to four weeks to lead up to make sure where guys are healthy and ready to go. We want to avoid injuries and those kind of things. And what you're looking at at that point is you're getting those guys back there. So now, now you're to, let's call it uh, end of May, early June, right around Labor Day or Memorial Day, maybe a little bit after that. Then you're going to have to do some form of training camp, maybe preseason-ish, something. We'll see what that looks like. That's called that another couple weeks, two, three weeks there. And then you could probably start the season late June, early July, get in whatever it's going to look like, playoffs, you know, uh, uh, modified regular season, followed by playoffs, whatever it's going to be. So I think it is, you know, it's feasible and doable to finish, get a season in and finish right around um, Labor Day. So what I took from that, uh, Keith, is that we literally have no time to waste. So <laughs> we got to get right back into basketball. Yeah, we're getting there. It's starting to get down to decision points. I think that's why Adam Silver, he very loosely put out there the uh, May 1st date. I, I always felt like that was more arbitrary. That was more just the first of the month. So you'll stop asking me every two days for mm-hmm. updates on things. Um, but then I think it was then with the announcement of several states, including most of Florida, opening back up on May 1st. Um, and several others are doing that in the next few days here. Uh, most seem to be by May 4th. Um, not most, but several um, by May 4th. And that's why they put that May 8th date of, hey, we got to figure this out. We got to look at it. Because the last thing they want is players are scattered all over the country right now. Anyway, I think we saw that as part of that NBA shoot around. You know, Zach Levine plays for the Bulls, but he was in Washington State. Trey Young plays for the Hawks, and he was in Oklahoma, um, where he lives in the offseason. So, so you got to get those guys back into their cities, as well as the other piece you need, you need to be looking at with all of these guys is how are you going to get them, um, you know, ready to 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 go fully um, with this. And what they also don't want is, uh, you know, Massachusetts, for example, they're closed. They're stay-at-home orders through May 18th. You don't want a bunch of guys from the Celtics saying, hey, Florida's open. Let's all travel down there. 
and, and start getting our workouts in. They don't want that. They right. they don't need guys, you know, moving all over the place. So so that gave gave them an, an additional week to let's figure this out. Let's put some plans in place and get this kind of sorted and go. And I think that's what you're going to see. So I'm going to guess a week from now, um, when we get to that May 8th date, sometime between now and then, we'll start to hear more of what the plans may be. And it may be in little chunks. It may be here's what we're doing for the next week or two. And then here's what we're doing. But we're getting down to it. It's getting closer and closer to we could have a date to figure this thing out because otherwise we're it's just there's just you're just simply going to run out of time right well hopefully all that works itself out we're able to get back to basketball very very quickly here uh before we end here keith we do want to thank you for coming on uh do you want to tell listeners where they can find you where they can find your writing and where they can find you on twitter and all that good stuff yeah, sure. You can find me on Twitter at Keith Smith NBA. I um, generally probably tweet way too much for people's mm-hmm. liking, but um, you know, if you're interested in rosters and uh, you know uh, roster minutia and salary cap and all that, that's a lot of what I do there. Um, probably not going to get too many Disney tweets. Um, on, but on occasion, you might get a get get one or two of those. Um, and then you can find my written work at Yahoo Sports, Real GM, and then if you want Celtics specific coverage for Celtics blog as part of SB Nation. Awesome. And Keith, he does cover the the Celtics, but he does tweet a decent amount about the Orlando Magic. So if you guys haven't checked him out, definitely check him out there. So Keith, yeah, I thank get you asked so much. A, sorry, I get asked about that a lot. Like like what the deal is there. <laughs> right. I live in Orlando, so I'm at just about every Magic home game. We love it. I watch the Magic a lot, so that's why I tweet tweet about the Magic. And it was uh, I by the end of last year, I made it no secret I was openly rooting for the Magic to win games and make the playoffs because selfishly I wanted to cover playoff games. Right. I wanted playoff games back there, and uh, you know it was a lot of fun. So I'm not uh, not exactly hiding that. I'm hoping they uh, you know hang in there and we get some some playoff basketball again here. Well, we're definitely okay with that. Any bias that you want to show towards the Magic is welcome we anytime. Love it. That's it. Well, and you get attached to those guys, you know, they they are a very likable group group of guys in that locker room. They're hard workers. They they meant so much to them last year to make the playoffs, especially guys like Vooch and Evan and uh, DJ who've been with the team for a long time. Those guys, it it really meant a lot to them to get into the postseason. And that was that, that, that bar was pretty cool to see, to see that after, you know, a number of years of, you know, really just awful, awful basketball Mm -hmm. and things not meaning anything by, you know, uh, what mid January, you knew, you know, we're playing off the string here. And, and it was always like they're bad, but they're never bad enough to, you know, mm-hmm. get your hopes up in the draft and those things. So that 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 part was they, they were an easy group of guys to root for as well. Absolutely. Well, hopefully we'll have some magic basketball soon enough. And speaking of welcome back anytime uh, that you'd like, you know, to come on the show, talk some Orlando Magic basketball. You let us know. Be more than happy, man. Thank you for, uh, you know, carving out the time to, to come on. Um, and I think it's a great idea. And hopefully the NBA goes with it and we get back to basketball pretty shortly here. So thank you, Keith. I appreciate it, guys. Thanks for having me. Right. You stay safe. Absolutely. You Absolutely. You as well. Well, thank you guys so much for listening to the Six Man Show. For Luke, this has been Jonathan. We had Keith Smith on here. We'll get this episode up later tonight. Be tuned in. We'll be releasing another episode this coming Monday. So thank you guys so much. We will catch you guys on the next one. See ya! Thanks for listening to the Six Man Show. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and Stitcher to get new episodes downloaded directly to your phone. Please take a minute to give us a five-star rating and a review. It would really help us out a lot. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Six Man Show and like us on Facebook. We'll catch you guys next time. Go Magic!